Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. This is Patrick D. McCoy, the African-American voice in classical music, and I want to welcome you this evening to our special show on the Maestro Series, a series that celebrates some of our world's greatest choral and symphonic conductors. Today we are honored to have conductor Marlon Daniel on the show with us today. Marlon is here to discuss his upcoming performance with his orchestra, Ensemble Du Monde, in New York City's Merkin Hall at Coffin Center this weekend. Please welcome Maestro Daniel. Good evening, sir. How are you? Uh, good evening to you, Patrick. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Listen, I'm going to launch right in. Tell us about your concert this weekend. Well, this weekend on Saturday at Merkin Concert Hall at 8.30, um, we'll be doing a concert entitled Classical Titans, which we will do music of Haydn, Beethoven, which is the Beethoven Seventh Symphony. What a wonderful piece. And also um, music of Le Chevalier de Saint-Georges. And um, that's a big one because, every, well, not everyone knows, but the uh, Saint-Georges was a um, black composer and uh, at the time of Mozart and influenced Mozart and a friend of Haydn's. And um, and I love this program because it's classical titans that includes like a black composer, which people don't associate, you know, the classical period with black people or classical music in some cases. But he was a composer who actually influenced Mozart. And actually, I'm the artistic director of the Festival International Saint-Georges in Guadeloupe, you know, which was where Saint-Georges was born. And so bringing this music, you know, to America is one of the things that I've been doing for a, a long time. Hmm. Tell me more about the festival. How often uh, does it uh, convene, and what are some of the concerts and repertoire that one might hear uh, attending that festival? At the uh, at the St. George Festival? Well, yes. We play all types of music, and which is great focused because of uh, Ensemble du Monde. We play music of um, composers that are overlooked, uh, as well as, you know, the standard repertoire. And St. George had such a big influence on the classical period and classical composers. Um, so we have that. And a good another focus of ours is that we also are looking for diversity in classical music. And so you have that going on at the festival. And um, and this is one way that we can actually bring a little bit of the idea of the festival to um, New York and the U.S., Mm, it sounds so intriguing. Now, Ensemble du Monde, that's such a unique name for your chamber orchestra. How did the name come about? Well, Ensemble du Monde is actually, well, it actually means Ensemble of the World. And we have a um, a very, very um, unique kind of perspective besides being, you know, a group of pretty much the best players I could find. Everybody has, like, careers going on their own and their virtuosos in their own right, but um, also, you know, we just are very diverse. We have about, we represent about, this concert, 15 countries and all types of people from all over, all different kinds of religions, from atheism to Zoroastrianism. I think you say, how did you find a Zoroastrian? We actually have a Zoroastrian priest who actually plays the violin and quite well in the ensemble. <laughs> wow. So... That is magnificent. Now I'm looking at everything that you've done. You're such a young man, and you've done, uh, you have done so many notable things. Tell us about your recent uh, two-year stint that you'll be taking. Well, um, I had the opportunity last year to actually do a um, a concert in Bulgaria with the Sofia Sinfonietta, and um, 
this season they asked me back as a resident conductor, and I'll be doing about four concerts there um, and covering anything they they want me to cover. So I'll be spending a good amount of time in Bulgaria, but I'll be sort of bouncing back and forth between New York and Paris, uh, which is like my second home. And um, mm. so that's what happened. I'll have lots of great repertoire. I'm bringing lots of great soloists that they uh, diverse. When you're the conductor, you guys most of the time you get to bring soloists with you. So I'll bring a big diversity of soloists that probably would never have been in Bulgaria. <laughs> mm. You know, it's so wonderful. You you mentioned repertoire, and the thing that I really enjoy about this conversation is that you do do the standard repertoire, such as Hyde and Mozart and so forth. But you're introducing new repertoire, and on that vein, could you tell us a little bit about more about the Hampton Sisler work that you recorded? Well, Hampson Sizzler is a New York-based composer, and um, he, as uh, I've done several of his works, uh, I've met him years ago, and um, all of the works in, uh, have led to the recording that I recorded of his music, which I think is some of the best things that he's written. I mean, it's just a fantastic CD, and um, and he's one of those people who you give him an idea, and he sort of runs with it. Like, I had this idea in my head about... Um, Phoenix Rising from the Ashes, and also the Firebird I was working at at the time. And so he wrote that piece, Phoenix Forever, um, as a complimentary piece toward the Firebird. So to be so when I had a new piece, I could actually have this theme of the Firebird. And um, so that was really wonderful. And the CD turned out really terrifically. And um, it features also Laurie K. Miller and Darnell Ishmael on it, and another piece that we premiered of his called Music in the Soul. And it's just, you know, you just can't go wrong with Darnell Ishmael and Lori K. Miller. I mean, they are just fantastic singers, and they really brought it to life, I think. Mm. You know, as speaking of which, as we mentioned uh, Darnell, I must give him credit where credit is due. Um, my whole handle, Patrick D. McCoy, the African-American voice in classical music, is somewhat inspired by him because he told me a long time ago that I reminded him of the uh, new Amsterdam uh, music critic, Raoul Abdul. And so that is uh, Raul much of, was uh, one of my mentors. So funny mm. that. And um, he came to many of my concerts and wrote many times about me in his article. And um, I really miss him. Mm. And and it's so it is, it's that such a special connection to me um, because that's that's why I do what I do. Just kind of uh, I stand on his shoulders as, as being one of the few African American classical music critics. So yes, indeed. So Darnell is as a special person as well. Now, just moving forward, the concert um, at Merkin Hall, could you tell us a little bit more as far as, as far as the venue? Is this your first time performing there? Have you been there several times before? Oh, no. This is our, our, our home when we're in New York. I mean, we mm. travel about, a, we're getting to travel about a bit, including the Bahamas next um, next season. Uh, that's going to be fun. Paradise Island in, in Atlanta. <laughs> I need a break, but doing music and having a break is like, like heaven to me. Um, but we we give about, you know, four concerts a year at Merkin. So that's our our normal hangout. Mm. And uh, we do a diverse and innovative um, set of uh, pieces there, you know, and it's really, it's a great little hall. It's Well, it's not so little, but, you know, it's not as big <laughs> as uh, Avery Fisher, but it uh, holds about 600, and it's, uh, it's a great place to have your home. Mm, it sounds exciting. Um, you know, I know a lot of people wonder. We've talked about the concert. We've talked about the different repertoire, different things that you have done. What brought you to the point that you said, 
I want to be a conductor. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, it was a, that's a funny story, actually, because I'm trained as a pianist, uh, first of all, uh, and I, of course, I attended Manhattan School of Music. And um, at the end of my year there, I decided that I wanted to, um, you know, but conduct a, a piano concerto from the keyboard. And, you know, just like Mozart and Beethoven and all these people. And so I wanted to do that. So I got a lot, bunch of my friends together who were studying in the Tinker Zuckerman studio and, you know, in other studios at Manhattan School. And all my friends and I was quite popular. I said, let's get together and let's do this. Let's give a concert. And I'm going to play one of the Mozart concertos from the keyboard. And um, I was armed with my Daniel Berenboim video of the complete Mozart piano concerto as he did it. I, I credit Daniel Berenboim as my first conducting teacher. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I haven't met him as of yet. But uh, when and I watched the video, I did everything, and of course I had the conducting course there. Um, the concert turned out so well that afterwards everybody said, "Our hero." And they and everyone <laughs> wants to know when was the next concert. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and so I decided to actually really take the conducting seriously, and then I began to seek out, you know, advices and you know take lessons in conducting, and it eventually led me to the Czech Republic, where I entered a competition slash master classes in in the director of the um, Praga Symphonietta in Prague. After I finished the competition, you know, asked me if I would like to come to Prague. And that was the sort of the changing turning point in my life. And I went to Prague, and I was her assistant at the Prague Conservatory and her um, an associate conductor at the Prague Sinfonietta. Um, and after that, after my first year, uh, opening came up at the um, Prague Academy, which is like the Curtis of the Czech Republic. They only mm-hmm. let in like a couple of people a year. And it was pretty much a shoe-in because I was already performing in Prague and um so I was in the program, and I, you know, finished my studies in conducting there. Mm, that's phenomenal. Now, I'm the only funny. person, would you believe this? I think I'm the only person of color that actually has, you know, diplomas from both those schools. And um, sort of funny, my um, my studio at the Prague Conservatory was actually Dvorak's studio. <laughs> and his wow. big picture is on the thing. And it's kind of... Um, it's kind of interesting, you know. You you know you you're always humbled by that to walk in your studio and there's a big picture where this is the room where Dvorak taught. <laughs> wow, wow, wow! That is awesome. Well, you know the world of classical music seems so small because you just mentioned um, Pitcher Zuckerman, and I've I've been so honored so many times to hear uh, his daughter Ariana Zuckerman, the soprano who lives right in Washington and teaches. I've heard her several times. So it just it just Amazing that, that that connection even there. Now I was I'm intrigued by your concert theme, classical titans. Do you ever maybe see your see yourself maybe doing that concert again? Maybe you know romantic titans or maybe carrying and expanding that even further. Well, all of our concerts of uh, of of Ensemble du Monde, they're thematic and um in in nature. I always mm-hmm. take a theme or something or concept and you know we have a core group and we 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 sort of hash it out what we're going to do what's our concept classical titans came about because um a little bit of things a little bit of a play on um on on class you know the uh, on the titans franchise <laughs> and on in movies and beethoven yeah. always is considered a titan but also you know you have um it you know haydn was a, a titan and more yeah. so specifically I think St. George was a titan in many ways, you know, uh, the um, Three Musketeers by Dumas. 
he, you know, St. George, of course, was the greatest fencer of his day, a swordsman, and um, and basically, you know, he's talked about, you know, from you know when uh, Alexander Dumas made his D'Artagnan character in Three Musketeers, he based it under, you know, a, actually a black man, St. George. Mm. And where he took that from, they 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 always say, you know, I wasn't there, but it's pretty much documented that he knew Saint George, and Saint George was the greatest fencer of, of the day, and um, and it was really, you know, it's quite, you know, he fought for civil rights, he fought for equality, he fought for France and the ideals of France at that time, and so he was a titan too, and to be someone of color, I thought that he should be included with the titans. Mm, that's wonderful. And for the listeners, uh, there's a wonderful website, and I'll, and I'll maybe put it on my Facebook page if you want to follow it. But there's a wonderful website. It's called ChevalierDeSaintGeorges.homestead.com, and it's, Afri, it's actually hosted by AfriClassical.com, which is um, this site. This particular entry, I think, is done by Dominique DeLerma, but this is site is hosted by William Zick, but it, it's such a wonderful a resource um, for more information, but I'll post that that website. William Zeke um, is just later. wonderful. He posts he posts many things and is following me constantly, and um, and um, and so I, I'm you know he's a, you know I guess in a way he's a titan too in his own way. Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. Everybody knows about everything because of the Afri uh, classical um, blog is it, is so wonderful. Um, but that's. But that's phenomenal that you that you made that that um, that comparison as far as the, the ties because you you're right you know he this he you have this this composer of African descent and yes he is he's a tight in his own right just like Beethoven and all these others so that is awesome absolutely now, now you have some other projects uh, close to your heart uh, coming up would you like to maybe expand on some of those. Well, um, besides the Saint George Festival, which um, you know, I'm hope everything you know they have the new president now, and so I'm sort of hired by France and to to do that, and so mm-hmm. I'm hoping that that will continue in Guadeloupe in the next uh, season, 2013 in April, and we're, it's going to be quite exciting and just a wonderful festival. You know, it's. I want to make it, since I'm the artistic director, on the same level as like the Salzburg Festival and the mm. Beethoven Festival and all these festivals that are dedicated to, um, let's say, non-people of color. It's like the biggest festival dedicated to a person of color in the world. And so I'm hoping that we are able to keep the momentum and keep it going. Um, I'm working with the Marian Anderson Historical Society um, in, in, in Philadelphia, and we plan, I'm working with them because they're going to do a fundraising concert uh, on Marian Anderson's birthday, 2013, February 27th. And we're planning on doing uh, Pagliacci, complete opera in concert version. And I'm hoping to have a lot of uh, some of the great, you know, singers of our day of color. And, um, you know, and we're presently trying to get them all together and we're trying to we're looking at trying to get someone host for the concert and we're a very high person on our list is Queen Latifah. I would love if she would do this, so I guess if Queen Latifah if you're listening to this, <laughs> we're we're about to contact you. Because I know that she's very interested in playing Marion Anderson on the silver screen. And mm. um I that I think that would be just wonderful and I think this is a great way for her to start getting indoctrinated into the world of um, 
opera, and um, and I think this definitely makes a big statement. Marian Anderson opened the door for blacks in on opera. She yes, was she did. She was to um, to perform at the Met of color, and so you know, without her, we wouldn't even be doing this. And so now this is a chance to show off how her legacy has affected modern day opera. Um, mm. So that's that's two things that are just very very you know close to my heart. What I'm doing. That's awesome. Now I I ask you I ask you basically when did you make the the decision uh, to become a conductor? Could you maybe tell me about your your family life? Are your are do you come from a musical family or is this something you just branched out to do? Well, my father is actually a percussionist. He is uh he plays in a in a several community orchestras in in the Chicago area. I'm originally from Chicago, the you know, mm. Obama uh you know, <laughs> Obama town. And uh sort of funny in Prague they put an article about me and they compared me to Obama and I was like, Wow, this is the greatest compliment of my Wow <laughs> The Obama of class for music. That's a big title, man. That was a big that was a big one. <laughs> Um, but, you know, and so I, I started out and, um, you know, things were not, you know, I didn't really live in, uh, I lived on the west side of Chicago. If anyone knows the west side of Chicago, they know it's not the most, um, hmm, pleasant <laughs> place sometimes, you know, it's very, you know, at the time, point in time where I was growing up, it was, um, uh, riddled with, um, gangs and drugs and, you know, and I was, you know, I was just lucky to, um, to, I was going to say survive that because my brother wasn't so, so um, mm, lucky because you know the the neighborhoods affects you, and mm-hmm. um, and so I had this talent and um, and I started kind of stayed, you know, pretty much at my home, <laughs> and I didn't get out very much, and um, you know, it's it's it was just very difficult. Very, very difficult. But I started out really early. Uh, my father it was very funny that my father is a musician, and he was going to school at the American Conservatory of Music. And uh, my mother and father weren't together, and so he used to always pick us up on the weekends. You know, he was a weekend father. And um, he, he, while he was doing his exams, I guess when I was about seven or so, he was practicing the piano a lot, and so basically. He wasn't spending a lot of quality time with the kids, you might say. So he would be mm. practicing, and we were supposed to just stay there and listen to him practice until I guess he got it right or something. But anyway, <laughs> he was playing something. I don't know what he was playing at the time, but and basically, I was a little bit tired. I I was like thinking, come on, you know, we're supposed to be spending time with you, and all you're doing is playing the piano. And I don't know what clicked in my head because I'd been watching him for weeks, and 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 so I I went to him while he's practicing, and I played, the, or I don't know how well I played it, but I played the piece that he was practicing, and I said, you know, I, I fixed it. Now can we go and have pizza? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was, I think, the day I grew two heads. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was, you know, it was like every, and then it's sort of funny because every time he looked at me after that when he was supposed to, he wanted to show me things and things like that, and then I just felt very kind of subconscious. I guess I could feel his stage parentness coming out. Um, but sooner or later, we, me and my mom, and we moved to the north side of Chicago, and um, I went to St. Ida um, Grammar School, and um, and I had this ability to 
catch things very quickly. And uh, one of the kids there was saying that, oh, yeah, I play the piano. And, you know, and it was one of those dare things. I was like, well, I play the piano, too. And I was a new kid. Uh and didn't believe it, and then, you know, he played, and then I played it. You know what I mean? It's like it was my gift at the time, you know. Since then, I've lost some of that, but uh, and then I got the attention of a local piano teacher who just happened to be a former student of uh, Moritz Rosenthal <laughs> and um, and Rudolf Ganz, and so it was very, very interesting. So she began to teach me, and um, and it was really, you know, it just went from there, and things just started to move and then I got into the Young Artist Program at the American Conservatory, and since my father at the time was pretty much an amateur musician, he would be taking like one or two courses a year. I actually, when I went to high school, I won the, to be one of the young artists there, and I, believe it or not, I was in the class with my father, one, two of my father's classes, and it was sort of funny, and you know you're going through your teenage years, and you're not talking to your parents, and you're not, you know what I mean? <laughs> So and we were in the one class together, and they'd call his name, and they'd call my name right behind it, <laughs> and and it was like so funny. It was just you know, since then we've gotten over that one, but you know now he and my parents are very supportive. But you know, for a very long time they were thinking, how are you going to support yourself? How are you going to make it in music? And I think it's just until this point, like a few years ago, where they really say, wow, he's actually a working musician. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I've been working for the last 10 years. But now they just finally believe it, you know? It's sort of funny. Well, yeah, you know the music. They, as a matter of fact, it's funny that you said that because uh, it was a poster on Facebook that someone was, uh, I guess, you know, you click share and it goes everywhere. But at any rate, it was uh, a newscaster was doing a broadcast, and they were listing like the top ten or top five useless majors, and I believe that fine art was one of them. But wow. I, I just thought to myself, that's such a travesty, because how does the newscaster think that the graphic got on the screen for him to even report the story? So it's just a, a, a tragic um, state of affairs how the art sometimes can be looked at in, in such a, as, as yeah. a money maker, sometimes as opposed to just the art, we, we're certainly not in it for the money. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the, it's sort of funny. One of the greatest moments, you know, I've had so many of, you know, some great moments of my life. But you know, one of the best ones, you know, of when I just got back about a month and a half ago from Russia, and um, and I actually got a chance to premiere the William Grant Still Afro American Symphony. Hmm. And I was very, very, you know, I, it's hard to believe that, you know, this piece hasn't been played in Russia. I mean, of course, they drag it out every February here. <laughs> and um, but it was such a such an honor to, and it was at the America Seasons in Russia, and I got to represent our country, and it was just a, such a great experience. They treated me absolutely wonderful in Kazan. And the Tartistan Symphony Orchestra was just absolutely wonderful, and they they were just so receptive to this music, and it was just like the piece had been. I've done it many times, but to do it there was like it was absolutely fresh, and they were absolutely like listening, and they and it wasn't something like in here in America like we have to do something on February in the month of February, you know what I mean? You uh, mm. satisfy the mass, but it was like a true interest in the music of American composer. Um, a great American pose, composer, and um, and that was just just one of the most beautiful experiences I've had in a long time. 
That's magnificent. Well, Maisha, we're about to run out of time, but I would love for you just to recap for the listeners about the concert. I do have uh, the concert pulled up here on the screen. But could you just recap for the listeners uh, the particulars about the concert, the time and ticket information, and, and how they can come and see Ensemble du Monde on Saturday? Well, it's very easy. You can just go onto the uh, Merkin Concert Hall website, which is www.kaufman-center.org. And the concert is on Saturday, May 12th at 8.30 p.m., Classical Titans, and we'll be performing music of Le Chevalier de Saint-Georges, Haydn, and Beethoven. And it's going to be a wonderful concert, and the ensemble is absolutely fantastic. One of the best, for me, one of the best chamber orchestras in New York, which, of course, people would say then that means the world. Uh, so that that should be wonderful, and you can also go on our website, ensemblemonde.org, or if you want to find out more about me, you can just go on marlondaniel.com, www.marlondaniel.com. My sure, it has been such an honor and a pleasure to to speak with you, and I'm so sad that I can't be in New York this weekend, but I certainly do send my uh, warm thoughts, and and definitely will support you in spreading the word about this wonderful concert. I just want to thank you for what you are doing uh, to definitely bring exposure to this great music, particularly uh, classical composers of African descent. You're doing a great work, sir. Well, thank you. I mean, really, thank you. You know, it came about by love of music and, of course, you know, diversity in music. And now they consider me one of the foremost authorities on music of black composers of of our day, and I'm just thinking, wow, that's how did that come about? It just from my love of it and just trying to do the right thing and also put a little bit of diversity in classical music. Wow. Again, this is Patrick D. McCoy, the African-American voice in classical music, and I do want to encourage all of the listeners, if you're in the New York City area, to please go hear Ensemble du Monde in Classical Titans. That concert is Saturday, May 12th at 8.30 p.m. in the Merkin Concert Hall. The tickets are at a variety of prices, and if you're lucky, you can pay the prime orchestra ticket and go to a lavish reception. Maybe the maestro will sign your program. Will you sign their program, maestro? Of course, I sign all programs, whether they come to the reception or not. Okay, that's wonderful. Again, this has been Patrick McCoy, the African-American voice of classical music. I would like for you, if you can, to please follow me on Facebook at Patrick McCoy, the African-American voice in classical music, and also on Twitter at Patrick D. McCoy. Again, this has been Patrick D. McCoy, the African-American voice of classical music. I do thank you for tuning in to the Maestro series. I certainly do thank Maestro Marlon Daniel, Artistic Director and Founder of Ensemble du Monde, for being with us today, and we do wish you a great evening.